0: Welcome to the IDP Corner. Uh, this is sponsored by FantasyPoints.com. My name is Justin Varnes, one of the IDP analysts on FantasyPoints.com. And with me, as always, is our other IDP analyst and projection specialist, Mr. Thomas Simons. How you doing, Thomas?
1: I'm doing all right. You woke me up from my uh, labored sleep of the off-season.
0: <laughs> Listen we on the east coast we move quick on the east coast it's you know it's i've already had lunch you're just waking up I, over there I feel like Seattle. I'm hi- I'm coming out of hibernation Well, uh, speaking of coming out of hibernation, uh, things are starting to look pretty good for um, the NFL season that's uh, upon us. We've got the draft. We're going to spend today just kind of going over some post draft thoughts, um, how it affects free agents, some people we like this year, some dynasty stashes, uh, some deep, deep sleepers. You want to store on a a taxi squad if you play uh, deep dynasty leagues and maybe a few players that we that we might think are overvalued. Um, so looking forward to the upcoming season, um, Thomas, you had some thoughts on on basically how this offseason was just as unique as the season and preseason that came before it.
1: Yeah, this this draft is a little bit weird. It it has a um you know, there were a lot of players that opted out of twenty twenty due to the pandemic. There were too many teams in conferences that didn't even play. Uh, they didn't play enough games or they didn't play any games at all for evaluation purposes. There was a lack of uh, combine results because there was no combine. There was no medical information, no personal interviews. It really created havoc uh, in this draft. And then on uh, for our side of things with the defensive players, there was a handful of teams, like nine or so of them, that didn't take a, a defensive player until the third, fourth, fifth, or even the sixth round. And a footnote for the first time in eighty years. Yes, I said that correctly. Eighty years, Michigan State didn't have a player drafted.
0: Wow, yeah, it was a it was a unique draft from the IDP perspective. Uh, your first seven picks were all. Offensive players. Um, uh, I was commenting the other day on on our uh, live stream, the fantasy points live stream, when we were discussing the draft, you know, in real time, you know, it's it's it was tough to not have a Chase Young or Joey Bosa or, you know, some stud there, Patrick Queen or something, uh, you know, to be uh, hoping to go in the first five or six picks. So, yeah, it it was a light. uh, It was definitely a light. Um, draft for IDP purposes for defensive players in general, Uh, obviously really heavy on wide receivers and teams forever trying to find their uh, franchise quarterback. So that kind of dominated the early rounds, but man, Really, in the later rounds, things picked up. We we saw uh, defensive players flying off the boards from rounds four through seven, uh, which you know is really going to kind of muddy the waters because when you spend high draft qu- capital, there's a good chance you're expecting these players to start immediately. When you get them on the back end, it's you know anything goes. It's going to be a little bit harder to project some of these players' roles going forward. But right, exactly. we do have some, in, we do have some in mind, right, Thomas.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you first of all, you, you take a look at the, the, the way the draft unloaded in the first round, and you had a lot of Alabama and Clemson, LSU, Ohio State. I mean, the SEC had a lot of draft picks, and it, it, it tended to be a type of draft where you really have to scratch your head and say, do they really trust their information, or are they just kind of, you know, s- shooting from the hip? And there was a lot of picks that, you know, they seemed good. But as we get into this coming season, you're going to see that, uh, well, maybe it wasn't so good.
0: Yeah. So we're going to dive in. We've broken this up into a couple of categories. We're going to start with the IDP, uh, IDPs who we think might have an immediate impact. So for 2021, these are players we should see on the field within the first couple of weeks of the season. People you should consider drafting, maybe even in, in redraft. Um, not There's not many of them. Uh, and matter of fact, I only have one cornerback on this list. So I'm going to start with that cornerback. He was actually the first defensive player to, to be pulled, and that was J.C. Horn, son of, Joe, of of Saints wide receiver Joe Horn. Uh, he was picked eighth overall by Carolina. I think he's a player that will start start sooner rather than later on the outside across from Dante Jackson. Um, He's a player who uh, excels at, at man coverage and mirror match. One of the interesting things about Carolina is they played the highest percentage of zone defense last year. And I think that was largely a result of the players that they had. Uh, They played 80% zone. I think JC Horn is going to show at least a little bit of a shift back to um, some more man coverage, but they're probably still going to play heavily zone. I also like that, uh, uh, Horn playing across from Dante Jackson will get picked on a lot. That is an, um, that is a a division. That is a conference that, um, throws the ball a lot, particularly in that division. So I expect Horn to be tested, uh, as I like to say with rookie players early and often, uh, he's definitely my like, uh, rookie corner, um, coming into this, into this season. Part of that is because we've talked before about how, um, how your chances of being IDP relevant as a cornerback drop precipitously after about pick number 35 to 40 after that, it's, it's a wasteland. So, but if you go in the, in the early rounds or sorry, if you go early in the first round, there's a good chance they're going to see a lot of action. My only issue with horn is that he's not the, he's not a, a consistent tackler at this point. We do think he's got a, a pretty decent tackle floor, but we definitely like to see his tackling technique improve a little bit. Uh, that's the only spot for me that I've got concern. Otherwise that he's probably going to be out there week one uh, with a full training camp. And uh, yeah, <laughs> they're going to be yeah, throwing I, that hit him a lot.
1: I could see him starting right out of the gate and at least in the, in the nickelback position if not starting like you said opposite Jackson and he'll probably play with a chip on his shoulder after um the national tv both ESPN and the NFL network kind of snubbed him when he was drafted they just declared his pick and then moved on without discussing him I mean it was such such a blatant ignorance or, or ignoring of him that that his father Joe Horn got on the social media and just blasted them about it. So he may play with a chip on his shoulder. And like you said, he's going to get picked on early because he's a rookie.
0: Uh, Who do you like out of this for for immediate impact?
1: Well, immediate impact. I like the 18th pick of the draft, which was Jalen Phillips. Um, The Dolphins scooped up a really good, solid defensive player for their defensive line. He's, he's underrated and gives Brian Flores a very versatile player that uh, fills multiple roles and he can play inside and he can play outside. Now, to toot our own horn fancy points uh, mock in the draft guide had Phillips going to the dolphins, and that, as you had mentioned to uh, uh to me previously, it was spot on um. Now, Greg Cassell called him the most expel, uh, explosive edge rusher in the 2021 draft. After all the hype on Greg Russo and Quitty Pay, uh, it may be the Phillips is the crown jewel in this edge rush, class, edge rush class. Now, from an IDP perspective, he should profile as a defensive end, which really helps the defensive line and linebacker eligibility issues. Uh, Miami blitzed a ton last year, but that may have been due to the fact that they didn't really have or they lacked a pass rusher or pass rush. Now adding Phillips um, through the draft to pair with uh, Emmanuel Ogaba should help the Dolphins pass rush and could allow them to mix things up in their schemes and even blitz less. Um, Now Phillips may start the year as a backup behind Christian Wilkins, but he should see a lot of snaps and passing situation in sub packages and and could easily take over the the starting role uh, sometime by midseason.
0: We started with a defensive back uh, and then we hit defensive line. I'm going to, I'm going to pick one of my favorite linebackers out of this draft. And that's Jamin Davis. He picked, uh, he was picked 19th overall, went to Washington. I think he fills an immediate need for them. Uh, when, and with John Bostic, I think they liked what they saw in Cole Holcomb last year. I think they want to pair him with, with, with somebody younger, somebody who's, who's better in coverage. Um, my guess is that Bostic will see the field, uh, but I expect to see D- Davis play a lot. And somewhere by midseason, I would not be surprised to see Davis turn into um, somewhere between 70 to 100 percent snaps next to Holcomb. Uh, right. And I, I think Washington realized you know it, it's a pretty big drop from uh, the top you know, the handful of linebackers who were kind of the most complete players in the draft. And after um, both of the top two, uh, Micah Parsons, uh, w- were drafted uh, ahead of him, then that only leaves Jamin Davis, uh, which I think is a great fit for Washington. So I expect him to get plugged in. Um, I also think he's a better fit. There was some question as not whether Washington was going to go for Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, uh, but the issue with JOK, as he's called, is he, he's kind of a – he's a hard player to to just stick into a defense, kind of like Isaiah Simmons was last year. Uh, obviously, there's other issues because they didn't have training camp, but um, – you know, you get these players who can do a little bit of everything, and and sometimes as as rookies, it's hard to just plug them into one position and go. I think Davis fits very easily. You can just drop him right there as a stacked linebacker, and he's going to soak up tackles. So I like him as as a week one starter, um, and then by mid season, he should be close to a three down roll, if not a three down role. Uh, yeah, else je- do you like? Okay. Oh,
1: well, Jeremiah uh, Owasu Koromoa, he. He's going to probably stand out to people with the, the thumping, big time hitting plays that he's going to make during the year, um, with the Browns. But you know the fact that that Davis fits the scheme better for Washington is probably the reason why they went with that. Now to move on, I, I have a couple of going back to the secondaries, uh, a couple of safeties, I think they're going to make an impact this year. Um, the 40th pick overall was Richie Grant from the Atlanta Falcons and Atlanta lost Keanu uh, Neal and Ricardo Allen during the off season. So Grant could be an immediate impact starter at safety. He's, he's kind of a, uh, he's not a twitchy or explosive athlete with the high level physical traits that, that the NFL craves. But he played his college games with a lot of competitive toughness and intensity that you want to see out of safeties. Um, His size, which is 5'11", sub 200 pounds, might be a a concern. But his aggressiveness and hard nose attitude makes him a candidate to play in the box or closer to the line of scrimmage. Now, he has to beat out Eric uh, Harris, Jalen Hawkins, TJ Green, and and or Daron Harmon to earn a starting job, but that could easily happen as early as mid season, maybe even sooner. Now Grant is a playmaker. I mean, he had uh, 10 collegiate INTs, so he can, he's flexible enough to play either safety position deep or in the box. Um, But he landed in a really good spot and I I could see him playing more of an in the box safety for, for the Falcons. Now the 43rd pick was Trayvon uh, Marig, uh, from the Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the Raiders have Jonathan Abram at safety, but he has a serious injury history and is not reliable. Um, the team did re-sign Carl Joseph, but there was a reason why they let him go to Cleveland last year. Now, uh, Greg Cussell said at TCU, Marig was predominantly a quarter's, Safety to the field, but his overall skill set and size and athleticism profile will allow him to be both a back end safety, including post safety, where his fluid movement, uh, his play speed, and range come into play, and a box safety, where his size and tackling ability are factors. Now, Cosell's sense is Morrig will. Marig will be a uh, best transition and likely be seen prominent uh, prominently as a back end safety capable of playing in split safety coverages and playing post safety in single high coverages. I think he landed in a really good spot with Las Vegas.
0: Let's move on to uh, players we think that although they might not have an immediate impact, there might be somebody who you don't want to grab and redraft, but over the next couple of years, we're going to see them emerge uh, as players that are, are going to dominate the IDP landscape. Um, keeping with our uh, defensive back scheme here, our theme lately uh, the ninth overall pick, the player that went just after JC Horn uh, was Patrick Sertan. Uh, he went to Denver. I love the, the landing spot there. I uh, This is a player um, who is, Probably one of the more complete uh, corners in the in the draft. Our, our Greg Cosell uh, loved him. Lots of great things on tape. Speaking of Cosell, you've heard us mention Greg Cosell a couple of times on here. Um, these thoughts that we've gotten from. Greg Cosell, who is, he was the best at watching game tape. Uh, he's a legend in in, in that respect. He's got a draft guide uh, that's on fantasypoints.com. Uh So if you can subscribe to fantasypoints.com, you can download uh, a PDF of this, uh, of this draft guide. It profiles over 200 college players. And um, man, Greg does such a great job of not only breaking down the tape, um, what I love about his analysis is it's so um, measured and objective. You you rarely see him uh, overhyping a player or you know loving or hating any player. He just he just says very, what he sees. So very
1: detail oriented, and that's that's specific for what we really need and absolutely. what we rely on.
0: And obviously he does, you know, mostly he does offensive players. So now that the draft is over, you can grab that draft guide and see whether or not it's just, you're a, you're a fan of your own team. And you want to see what, what traits Greg Cosell thinks that your um, draft pick might be bringing to your team, but also, you know, dynasty on the offensive side as well. So Lots of good stuff in there. Um, But back to Costell, he loves Patrick Sertan. I mean, Sertan played uh, in Alabama, so he's used to that kind of – pro style defense. Um, he can play uh, man. He can, he can play off. Uh, he, he fills a, a lot of needs and Denver really needed uh, to get younger on uh, at cornerback. Now they've speaking of younger, and this is the issue. They've got some talented veterans. They've got Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby, and that's to go with uh, Bryce Callahan, who's somebody who spent a lot of time in the slot. So the season might start with Fuller and Darby on the outside and Callahan as, as the slot, Uh, And it might take Sertan a while. It might even be a year or two before he's a a full-time player on the outside. But that is what they expect him to be. Um, And uh, Denver is basically a pretty even split between man and zone coverage. Uh, Sertan's comfortable doing both of those. I think he's eventually going to be an outside corner uh, and somebody we can rely on uh, in our cornerback heavy leagues.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go back to the defensive line, or actually the edge, uh, on this next discussion. And it was with the 31st pick from the Ravens. And it was, um, I'm going to say it, Udafe Jason Owe. And now every We know him as Jason, but according to Owe, it's that's his middle name. And he prefers to go by from his first given name, which is Udafe. And so you'll hear people saying out of a way, and and you'll wonder, "Well, what happened to Jason?" Well, that's the reason why. Um he has a lot of developing to do, but get, especially given the fact that he did, didn't play a lot in college. But he's a six-five-four point four 4.4 or four 40 guy that uh has a great change of direction and and you know, he also has good bend, which is an awesome combo for an edge rusher. Now, the Ravens have a veteran front that O.A. will be lucky to sneak into some of the snaps in between for 2021. So he's more of a dynasty stash and a potential building block once uh, Pernell McPhee and Kalis Campbell you know, move on. I mean, we we have to note that the Baltimore lost three of their top sackers last offseason. So O.A. fills a major need for them. Um, our buddy, or not our buddy, but Mr. Cassell thought that he was uh, he would be a great, strong fit as an outside linebacker on a three-four, and that's the the fit he has in Baltimore. Um, there was also something that um, Cassell said um, that was Oway had zero sacks last season and really didn't uh, or doesn't have a college a ton of success in college, but Oway fits a similar profile to to. Um, Danielle Hunter from uh, Minnesota, who managed four and a half sacks in college as an underdeveloped but physically gifted player. Now, Otafe is the first name, as I mentioned. Jason is his middle. So just know that you'll hear a different name when, when you start seeing or watching some of the raving games
0: uh one of you know, probably the most coveted linebacker in the draft who went 12th overall that was Micah Parsons he landed in Dallas and I do think we're going to see him on the field a lot this year but I do think um his true fantasy value the like LB1 uh, status that he's capable of, is probably not going to come until either late this season or more than likely, uh, in, in the following year season. Two. Um, you know, they've got Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, uh, you know, Sean Lee retired, but they hesitated to pick up Vander Esch's fifth year option. And I think we know why now, I, now that they've had a chance to pick up Parsons, there's a good chance that, um, Vander Esch's time in Dallas, you know, is limited. You know, Thomas. Last season, we talked toward the end of the season about how Van Der Esch didn't look the same when he came back from injury. He looked uh, right. He looked you know, like beat up. Right. Exactly. He he looked. It might have looked like he was a step slow, but I don't think it was actually speed. I, I think it's more hesitancy. He did not seem to to trust himself. It was. He seemed more confused and. On a defense that was desperate for run stopping, they were pulling him off the field sometimes for veteran Sean Lee, who was, you know, on his on his last legs. So to me, uh, Van der Esch's star has faded a bit there in 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 uh, in Big D, and that opens up a spot for Parsons. Um, he he's one of the most complete uh, linebackers in the draft. Uh, the uh, a couple of points to make is that. They may use him partly as an edge rusher too, because he's got uh, he's got those kind of pass rushing chops that they can pull him down from the box and and maybe even fill some of the role that uh, Alden Smith played. Uh, and if they do that, you know they you know Dan Quinn knows Keanu Neal well from his time in, in Atlanta, and right. they would use Neal in the box a bunch, kind of to play the will. So I could see Parsons being you know, part-time, you know, box, you know, stacked uh, linebacker and part-time edge rusher. And to get a combination like that, I'm not going to make this comparison because I think Parsons can become this because this is a, a once in a generation player. But if you think about players like Levante David, that's somebody who not only fills your stat sheet with tackles, but he comes up with big plays. He gets into the, he gets into the backfield because he they will they will rush him as a pass rusher, and that kind of combination is hard to find. I think it'll take Parsons a while to fully develop into that player, but he has that potential to be more than just a one trick pony where he just soaks up tackles all day long.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and if you take a look at what Dallas did in the draft, I mean, they went defense in their first six picks. They took a linebacker, you know, they took Parsons, they took a cornerback, a DT, a DE, a, a, another cornerback, and also another inside linebacker in Jabril Cox from LSU. So um, even though Cox is more of a coverage linebacker, they did address the defense uh, that they felt sorely was, you know, and like you mentioned, they also took Neil or signed Neil in the off season. So they weren't happy with the production, even with, and we'll talk more about this when we get to the busts, but our veterans that we think are not going to, are, are going to be impacted by this draft. But for, for now, Dallas is definitely focusing on their
0: defense. Uh, any other players you, you thought that were, um, that are good dynasty stashes?
1: There was a couple of, uh, one of them was the 78th pick with Chaz Surratt from uh, the Vikings he projects as a day one starter at weak side linebacker especially since last year's starter Eric Wilson signed with Philadelphia and veteran Todd Davis is still a free agent and also last year's draft pick Troy died didn't pan out very well now granted we we all know exactly how the weak side linebacker in Minnesota is not your traditional weak side linebacker and tends to be an underproducing fantasy player um Oddly enough, Surratt was a quarterback and switched to linebacker a few years ago. So he only has a couple of seasons at linebacker under his belt. So expect a learning curve in his rookie year. Um, there, There is a, you know, we have Eric Kendricks and you also have Anthony Barb that, that could be factors in in the Vikings um, linebacker scheme. So Surratt most likely is more of a stash type of thing. Now over in, in um, the south division with the bucks they they picked up uh Washington Huskies uh tweener and as they call him a defensive end linebacker edge rusher and Joe Tryon um the bucks are returning their all of their starters on defense so tryon may see limited snaps in his rookie season um still there are age issues like J- uh Jason Pierre-Paul is 32 and so on so they're, they're looking towards the future with Tryon. And now, even though he may not be a reliable IDP, uh, IDP option in 2021, he should be a rotational guy that could earn his stripes in his rookie year. And he's best suited as a 3-4 a linebacker. So he fits well in the Bucs scheme.
0: Um, now let's move on to some sleepers. Um, I, I'm going to get us started. These are players that um, likely won't go high in, in, in redraft. Or maybe even in dynasty, but these are players drafted a little bit later or not drafted at all. That you know could kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, and I'm going to start with the player that actually went undrafted, um, and that's Justin Hilliard, the uh, linebacker out of Ohio State. He was signed by the 49ers. Now, now Hilliard was a four, a five star recruit, um, but at Ohio State with the with the depth of talent they have, Hilliard right. actually never owned a full time role. But that's not for a lack of. Of talent, uh, they're just guys in front of him, and um, uh, Greco Cell was particularly impressed with his ability to cover um, man-to-man on on tight ends and running backs, which, as we know, is highly coveted these days. Um, you know, offensive coordinators are forever trying to get their um, their scheme set up to where they can match a linebacker across from one of their running backs and tight ends. So I think Hilliard in time will develop into a player who can help in coverage. And if if he can continue to grow as a stacked linebacker, I love seeing him next to Fred Warner for years to come. And and it's really that—it's the fact that they're not completely sold on what's going to happen next to Fred Warner. They love Fred Warner. Also, this is a new defensive coordinator, right? Robert Sala has moved on to his head coaching job for the jets. So now as the defense kind of reshapes, they could see, you know, Hilliard's a type of player that over time he could have an an, an impressive training camp. He's got a, a clean slate here. Uh, he could start this year, but I think he's a sort of player where maybe it's ne- a year two or year three where we get um, word out of training camp that Justin Hill- Hilliards made a move up the um, up the ladder. Uh, how about for you, Greg? Anybody sticks out? Um, I just said Greg because I'm was thinking of Greg Cosell. But speaking of Greg, that's
1: that's all right, John. Um, <laughs> there is a Greg that I do like, and that's um, Greg Newsom from Cleveland, the uh, 26th pick in the draft. Now, yes, they have Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams at uh, as solid cornerbacks for the Browns, but both had injury issues last year. Ward missed four games due to calf and groin injuries, while Williams missed the entire season with a nerve damage in his shoulder. Even if Ward and Williams are healthy, Newsom likely starts, worst-case scenario, as the nickelback. Now, he will help the Browns improve on their pass defense that ranked 22nd in the NFL last year. So I think that Newsom is a sleeper that could be somewhat productive, especially if if he does get into the starting lineup and teams start attacking him because he's a rookie
0: another linebacker who who went late 58th overall which isn't which isn't super late but man this is a great fit for uh for for a, a draft team and that's Nick Bolton he was drafted by the Chiefs and um as, if you listen to Thomas and I last season um, you know, pull, well, I don't have any hair left because I pulled it all out trying to figure <laughs> out who was going to start at linebacker from week to week for Kansas City. So uh, Bolton has a has a pretty clear path to uh, start uh, to a starting job. Now, there are a lot of linebackers there. They do have a pretty heavy rotation. They've got Anthony Hitchens. They've got Damian Wilson. Um, Actually,
1: no, they don't have Wilson. Oh, that's Wilson, right. That's right. Wilson, Mo- Wilson
0: moved on. Uh, and I'm blanking on the kid they drafted last year, um, uh, which we're going to get Wh- to in Willie a Gay. Yeah, Willie Gay. So Willie Gay, this could be a good year for him to move up. But but uh, Anthony Hitchens, I don't think has has ever truly been the answer there. They started pulling him off the field uh, the year they won the Super Bowl. When they got to the postseason, they had real issues with with uh, teams um, picking him apart. They also move uh, Daniel Sorensen into the uh, into the linebacker spot as well, coming up from safety. So they have been piecing together. That linebacker core, and that's really where they've been burned as a defense. And and you know, of course, Patrick Mahomes can pretty much uh, keep you in any game, but uh, they don't want to continually rely on on that. So uh, I like that they addressed uh, the linebacker position here. And uh, I think if everything goes well, we're going to see Willie Gay and Nick Bolton as as the primary linebackers in years to come. Uh, One of the things that Cosell did say is that for Bolton to be effective, uh, he's the type of linebacker that needs to be kept clean, which means that they need he needs to have a strong uh, front defensive line in front of him. Well, Kansas city has got that they are stacked on their defensive line. So, so this could be a really good fit for him. The question is, is he going to stick on third downs? Uh, we already mentioned this rotation. We need to see him be able to be a, a little bit more of a complete player uh, and be able to shed blocks a little bit more when he's not kept clean, but I do like his potential long-term.
1: Yeah. And, in. And- if there is a knock on the situation, it, it would be that defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, uh is brutal on rookies, and you can—I mean—he makes them prove that they can play before he trusts them, and, and that was evident last year with Willie Gay. But as you mentioned, or as we spoke about, Damian Wilson is gone, so this opens up some snaps for that Bolton could claim or, or share with Gay.
0: What about other uh, sleepers that you that you've seen?
1: I, you know, th- there is a couple others. Um, one of them's not really, I mean, a- everybody's going to be probably on him, especially if, if he sees time in, in the interior of the defensive line. But Quitty Pay on, on Indianapolis was uh, a great landing spot for him. Um, and getting help from the presence of DeForest Buckner and, and Grover Stewart, um, Pay could be a, a one-day starter over Stewart if he has a solid camp and or summer. Now, uh, Cassell mentioned that there is still much to unlock both athletically and physically with Pay, as he has the traits to profile uh, to develop into a quality edge rusher, with speed to power being his foundation, plus efficient hand usage to pay uh, playoff contact, in addition to working inside at defensive tackle. And now, that's the key to, to Pay is the fact that if he can move inside and play defensive tackle along with Buckner and or Stewart moving up and down that line of scrimmage is going to create matchup problems with opposing offensive lines. And, and with some solid coaching from the staff and these veterans, Pay could help the, the Colts improve on the lack of pressure that they had in 2020. Now, again, he can play inside and out, and that could help its snap count. Now, another uh, player is um, 60th pick Pete Warner. Uh Werner from the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Saints have been seeking a reliable 3 down middle linebacker for ages and they they may have found one in Werner. He likely starts at weak side linebacker in his rookie season with DeMario Davis inside and um Bond from Wisconsin on the on the other on the strong side. But he should work his way into the middle as early as year 2. Um, he has the athletic physical traits uh, to be a three-down linebacker. So this is something that I, I know that Greg Cassell had a, a big write-up uh, in, on Werner in our draft guide. So check that out. And you'll see that Werner could actually see some snaps, significant sl- snaps, 30,
0: 60% or more as early as day one. Now let's move to the uh, other side of the coin, and these are players drafted in either in the first round or the first couple of rounds um, that are big names that might not get off to a fast start and might even flame out altogether. I know you've got a couple on your list, right, Thomas?
1: Yeah, the 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 first place is a is a double shot, um, and it's the Buffalo Bills and. and with the thirtieth pick, they took Gregory Russo, and then later on they took Carlos Basham, and they're both edge rushers. Now with veterans Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison as their primary edge rushers, uh, these young getting younger makes sense. But you know, especially with their their Super Bowl window uh, window just now opening. Um, it's still a problem for Russo and Basham. Now Russo missed almost all of 2018 with an ankle injury, tore up the league in 2019, and then opted out last year. Now Basham was a four-year starter at Wake Forest, but the term tweener keeps cropping up when, when people discuss Basham. Now the problem that you have is that they're specialized edge rushers. And you know, the, they did that last year in the draft, and they barely used their draft pick last year. So is is either of these two going to actually see significant time on the field? Now, Russo is a, a project, had a horrible pro day. He has physical traits in being 6'7", 266, but he has very limited pass rush moves. And Greg Cosell found his tape to be very inconsistent. Now, Basham is raw and has plenty of room for growth, but and, and he could see more time at, at defensive tackle than the, um, on, on the outside. And, and that doesn't bode too well when you have limited snaps and you're forced to rush from the, the inside position. So these two could be kind of bust or at least lean towards that, especially in the first year. Yeah. The other think, player – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say I, I think um, as more and more teams – get to a point where they are trying to rotate defensive linemen. This is something we talked a lot about last season. And the idea that to find a a defensive lineman that plays 80 plus, you know, percentage of snaps, uh, that's becoming a rare, more and more rare to, to find that. And Russo and Basham, uh, I mean it's hard to see them becoming that type of player their chances are they will be you know specialists they'll come down they'll come in either in sub packages maybe on a you know on a on a blitz heavy or you know a heavy package on a third down where they're trying to get as many pass rushers on the field at once and I'm we're not saying that they won't get out there and make some plays for the team but um, right. it's hard enough to rely on a defensive lineman every week. They're already inconsistent in terms of their production. That's just if they're like tight ends in that way. But in in uh in Buffalo, I like like you know Thomas you know as you were saying about their Super Bowl window here opening, um they you know they're going to be careful uh, to to not stick these younger players out on the field where they're going to make big mistakes in the run game um, and i could see both of these players contributing over the next couple of years but for them to really earn a, a full-time role something you can count on a fantasy i think is going to be hard to come by there's just there's there's a lot of other talent there's veterans on the field and as you were just mentioning they've already established a pretty heavy rotation and these guys will be part of that rotation but they're likely going to be on the outside looking in when it comes to consistent snaps
1: yeah and and they they mean last year they went after aj epinesa and and he saw a limited amount of time when we thought well we're not quite sure how they're going to use him well we saw how he how they used him and i could see the same thing happening to russo and basham this year the other guy i was thinking about was um caleb fraley from our farley from the tennessee titans the 21st pick overall now we had seen that in, in the first round, um, Horn went first and then Sertan went second and Farley went third. And there were concerns about Farley's recent back surgery uh, going into the draft. And it may be why he was the third cornerback taken off the board and not the first. Uh, this is especially true when you consider that Farley has had two back surgeries and a surgery on a torn ACL before he's even taken his first NFL snap. Now, if Farley is is healthy, he could be a day-one starter for the Titans, who have a, a serious lack of depth at cornerback. Still, this injury history makes him a very, very strong candidate to be a bust. All
0: right, and finally, we're going to wrap up with just uh, a, a real short segment here on some of the veterans uh, who, who are likely affected by the draft. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about this, but Thomas, I know you have some more thoughts on what's going on in Dallas in terms of their linebacking rotation.
1: Well, we've already talked about the fact that Van Der Esch and uh Van Der Esch didn't get his fifth year option renewed, uh or signed up. And Jalen Smith, they were not happy with exactly how Smith handled the inside. They, he he felt overwhelmed or they felt that he was overwhelmed during the, the season. He, you know, they they went and got uh Allen who's a, a safety but could be playing a lot of time in the box at a linebacker position. Uh, Sean Lee retired. And so I I think the fact that they went out and drafted Parsons, first of all, they they traded down a couple of spots to pick up some extra picks and then got Parsons, the guy that they wanted. And then they turn around and they picked up uh, Jabril Cox later in the, in the draft. Now these uh, Parsons, is probably going to be a weak side linebacker to start with, which really doesn't bode well for Vander Esch and or Smith because sooner or later Parsons is the most, most likely going to either move inside or they're going to give some time to Cox inside. And this could mean less snaps for Vander and Smith. Now I'm not saying that they're going to be, you know, gone in their first season in this first season for the, the rookies, but, Van Der Esch and Smith, the writing is on the wall, especially for Van Der Esch. I mean, as we had mentioned earlier, he, didn't, he looked tentative last year, did not look very well, uh, or didn't look good when he came back from injury. And there's got to be issues going on with Jalen Smith that we don't know about because for them to go out and draft two inside linebackers, that, that's an earmark for Smith moving to the outside and or right off the roster. I mean, that's this is definitely writing on the wall for these two. Now you have some thoughts over in Arizona.
0: Yeah. I'm just going to mention a couple of linebackers uh, because we think this draft in particular is, you know, secondary is always tricky. Um, it, it's a, it's a difficult position um, to, to find consistency in. And uh, we see a lot of tinkering in the secondary these days. So um, we don't, we'd mentioned, um, uh, what's going on in Atlanta's secondary, possibly Denver's as well. Um, uh, from some of, from some of these picks, but really the some of these veteran linebackers are likely, you know, starting to uh, uh, look like they're moving out 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 of the fray, and these younger, more versatile linebackers are are moving in. One of the most interesting ones, to, if it works, is um Arizona picked up uh, Zayvon Collins early in the draft, and uh, if they if Look, if Arizona can pull this off, it's going to be great. They picked up a uh Zaven Collins who's great in the box and uh, you know kind of like Mike, Micah Parsons, but even more so can move down and, and really be an edge rusher. They could he, he could straight up be an edge rusher if they want him to. Um, which means they may be asking him to kind of take over that Hassan Reddick role. Reddick had major success as as more of a stacked outside linebacker that they deployed as an edge rusher last year. He had 14 and a half sna- uh, sacks. In 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 that role. I had 14 and a half snacks while he was having 14 and (laughs) and a half snacks. Um, So uh, they may use him that way, but uh, um, there was, uh, there was talk that Steve Kime had mentioned general manager, Steve Keim had mentioned that they envisioned Zayvon Collins playing the mic for them. And that is veteran Jordan Hicks. Now Hicks has had a great uh, run here over the last couple of years, an elite player, but he did um, take a step backward last year. they, whether or not uh, Zaven eventually you know uh sorry whether or not Collins takes over that position it remains to be seen but I, I will say that it does make me a little hesitant uh, in terms of projecting Jordan Hicks one of the things that we do on fantasypoints.com in terms of the IDP section is we have a little uh, a, a little graph numbering system uh, um that is next to our projections. And one of them is basically reliability. Like what are the chances that this player is going to maintain this role all season? And this definitely puts a big, um, a, a big red flag on, on veteran Jordan Hicks. Um, and, uh, another position, another, uh, linebacker that I'd already briefly touched on, and that's going to be John Bostic out of Washington. Uh, I think between Hulk, Cole Holcomb, who kind of emerged last year, um, and obviously, um, their draft pick, Jamin Davis, the writing's on the wall for, 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 uh, for John Bostic. I think he will definitely play next season, but, uh, until we have something clear from training camp. Uh, now might be a good and part of the reason we're bringing this stuff up is now is a good time to start looking to buy low on some players and to sell high on some players. So selling high on Jordan Hicks, trying to get any value out of John Bostic, um, definitely Leighton in Esch, but a sneaky one is is selling Jalen Smith high. These are some options that might help you um uh, in in your drafts and, and pick up a few more draft picks before the season starts. Uh, mm-hmm. Thomas, any final thoughts? No, I mean we we pretty much.
1: A lot of this is going to change, especially as um, last year's rookies start getting an offseason, uh, you know, practices and, and workouts and into training camps. Now, granted, there's a lot of voluntary um, sessions that a lot of players are not going to show up for. But still, it's going to be different than it was last year. Uh, and, you know, this year's draft, as we mentioned, was a really kooky and, and different Draft. Uh, There was a lot of havoc coming in because there wasn't a lot of information that these 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 war rooms could go on. And so there's um let me put it this way: the Seattle Seahawks, who usually have eight or more draft picks every year, only had three, and there was a reason why they did that because they didn't trust this draft. There's a lot of serviceable players that can fill roster spots for you, but they're not stud or immediate impact players, Uh, there's going to be a handful, yes, but not like in the past. So you're going to have to deal with the fact that a lot of these players that are coming in will most likely be transparent in the first year and, and not very serviceable for you.
0: All right, that's going to wrap this up. Uh, These are our post-draft thoughts. Um, If you have uh, any interest in um, following up on more of this, remember we've got Greg Cosell's draft guide up on the fantasypoints.com website. Uh, Thomas and I locked down the IDP part of of the site, but obviously on the offensive side, Dynasty, Devi, all that stuff's covered by some pretty heavy hitters, led, of course, by the legendary John Hansen. Joe Dolan, Graham Barfield, um, you know, uh, Scott Barry, it goes, the list goes on and on Tom Brawley. And we've got a a pretty diverse group here that that's bringing a lot of information from the analysis from the film study um, even, even betting. So it's it's a, it's a pretty uh, impressive group and Thomas and I are, are certainly just proud to be a part of it, but but we're trying to, to um, continually raise the IDP game. So if you were to sign up for one of these major sites, you know, one, of the things we hear is that i the idp sections are lacking in some of them and so thomas and i are 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 lifting that up quite a bit on fantasypoints.com uh so go there now uh check out you can get a subscription heading into the 2021 season uh once again my name is justin Varnes. you can follow me on twitter at down with idp uh and i'm going to sign off from here thomas take us out
1: be well and be safe